0: What's up folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28. Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me; my countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart. Now we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today we're going to talk about Clever Elsie, a lesson we can learn from a Grimm's fairy tale. Before we get into the meat of our podcast, as I do typically, I would invite you to support me as, as a podcaster. You can do so at www.patreon.com forward slash churches, and your support helps us advertise the podcast. We're coming up on 2,200 followers on the Facebook page. Be the notification bell for us. Be the algorithm. Share the content, follow the Facebook page, subscribe to the podcast, and Facebook and the podcast platform that you listen on will put our content in front of people who have similar interest as yourself, and we will be able to grow organically, and we will not need any longer to advertise the podcast. So, that being said, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for tuning in. Brandon Dreschner, good to see you. And as Facebook builds our audience, I'll get right into the podcast. Clever Elsie. First off, let me tell you about a project. I and the daughter of a preaching friend of mine have put our heads together. She illustrates. I narrate. And what she does for me, she makes a thumbnail based on a piece of original artwork from the story of the week. So far, we've been doing mostly Grimm's Fairy Tales. And every week, Saturday at uh, 7 p.m. Central, we drop a new story. We've been doing this, I don't know, six or eight, maybe nine months now. It's it's done pretty good for, you know, brand new YouTube channels. I mean, we've only have 50 subscribers. So if you want to go over there and subscribe, I would ask that just go over there and subscribe and pick a story and listen to a story. Maybe you listen to Clever Elsie. The link to Clever Elsie, incidentally, is in the show notes. But I always, I always look for morals to these stories because th- these stories are old. You know, they they've stood the test of time, and there's a reason they're still around. And it's because, like any good story that stands the test of time, it is archetypal and it teaches something. Like, for instance, Pinocchio. Listen, you want to have your mind blown. Go listen to a clinician break down Pinocchio, you know, going into the belly of the beast to rescue your father. The, the treasure that you seek is where you least desire to look and one of the most dangerous places to, to find it. And also, for instance, if you are lackadaisical and you have no purpose, you will, and, and I'm not just cussing here, I'm using the King James vernacular. You will turn into a jackass. That's the moral of the story, Pinocchio. That's very good teachings. Uh, you're 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 a puppet uh, whenever you're young, and you have to transition into a real boy and eventually manhood. But if you freeze along that point, you're going to go to the island of jackasses, and you'll become a jackass. So don't be a jackass. That's that's the idea. And then of course. In order to overcome your jackassery, your asinine asinine existence, then you have to have that great transition from being a puppet to being an actualized, differentiated individual. But it may require you going into the belly of the beast and being the hero. Anyway, interesting stuff. That being said, let's talk about Clever Elsie. Clever Elsie is an interesting story, and it, and it on, upon first reading it and when I, when I recorded it and I was listening back to it to edit it, I was like, what in, what in the world is the, is the moral of this story? So let me give you an overview of the story, and then we're going to talk about what I got from the story and how it ties in to one of my favorite passages, the most probably one of the most helpful passages to me in the book of Proverbs, one that I probably read on a daily basis. Clever Elsie, um, there there was a young woman named Clever Elsie. People called her Clever Elsie because she was supposedly ever so clever. And one day her father said, we're going to find someone to marry Clever Elsie. And the mother was like, oh, that's great. We just have to find a man that'll ha- that will have her. Well, by and by, a suitor came along. And the suitor met Clever El- or met the parents and said, well, if, 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 my wife is not very intelligent or clever, then I won't have her. And of course, the the daddy said, "Oh, she's very clever." The mother, she's very clever. And so they have this dinner party. And during the course of the dinner party, the father says, "Elsie, go to the basement and tap the keg and get us some beer." And of course, I mean, I don't agree with drinking beer, but that's in the story. And so the story takes great pains to start building Elsie in this light where you think she's very very clever the story says she gets a little stool where it, so she doesn't bust her head on the lip or she doesn't hurt her back she taps she gets the pitcher off of the wall she taps the keg and she opens the the tap and as the beer's pouring into the pitcher she doesn't let her eyes set idle and as she's looking around the room while the pitcher of beer's filling she notices a pickaxe that was left by one of the masons during the construction of the basement, of the cellar. And then she starts thinking, and her mind starts running away with her, and she says, well, lo and behold, if if me and Hans, Hans is the shooter, if Hans takes me to be a wife and we have children, and I send my child down here to get beer, uh, this pickaxe could fall on him, and he will die. I cannot believe this. And she started wailing and lamenting, and she sat down off the stool and just sat there screaming and crying. Well, and when Elsie didn't come back, the father said to the maid, go down there and check on Clever Elsie. And when the maid got there, she said, why are you crying? And she relayed this this hypothetical to the maid. And the maid, and she said, why are you crying? She said, have I not got something to cry about? If Hans takes me to be a wife and we have a child and I send that child down here to get beer like I was sent, that pickaxe could fall down upon his head and kill him. What are we going to do? And she starts boo-hooing and bawling. The maid then says, Elsie, you are ever so clever. And the maid starts weeping as well. All right, so you got Elsie, you got the maid. Then when the maid and Elsie don't come back, the father sends the brother. The same thing happens. So now you have the father, or now you have the maid, you have Elsie, the maid, and the brother. And then all of a sudden, whenever they don't come back, the father says, mother, go down and check on Elsie and see what's going on. Same thing happens. So now you've got Elsie, the maid, the brother, and the mother all weeping and lamenting over this hypothetical that could possibly happen if Hans takes Elsie to be a wife and if they have children and if they send the child down to get beer, and if the pickaxe happens to fall in the, in the perfect place at the perfect time, maybe the imperfect and imperfect. Anyway, now, finally, the father goes down and sees them crying. Elsie, what in the world is wrong? And the story makes you think that the father is going to be the voice of reason. So you're telling me that you're set, all of you are sitting here crying over something that might happen if perchance Hans takes you to be a wife, if perchance y'all have a child, if perchance you send him down here to get beer, and if perchance this axe falls at the perfect time, in the perfect way, in the perfect manner, and so as to hit your child. Yes, oh Elsa, you were ever so clever. Of course that's a tragedy, and the father sits down and starts weeping uncontrollably as well. Well, Hans is up top, and he's like, well, they obviously want me to come down because they're all down there evidently drinking the beer, and I'm thirsty. So Hans went down, and he saw five people sitting in the floor in front of this beer uh, keg, this tapped beer keg, weeping uncontrollably. And he says, what is going on here? Well, Elsie says, Hans, if you take me to be a wife and we have children, and we send the child down here to get beer, this pickaxe could fall on his head, and, we, and and our child would die. We've lost our child. What are we going to do? Well, you would think that Hans is like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are nut jobs because that's the truth. Instead, Hans says, Elsa, you're ever so clever. I surely want you to be my wife. And so they get married. Now, years go by. Hans goes off to work, and Elsie's job is to get out and go harvest the corn. And Elsie says, so Elsie makes her some broth, and in the cornfield, she says, okay, should I eat or should I harvest? Well, I should eat first, so then she eats. Now, after she eats, before she harvests, she says, you know, I'm kind of tired. Should I harvest? Or should I sleep? So she says, I'm going to sleep. And then she goes to sleep, and she continues sleeping long past the time where she's supposed to come back to the house. Meanwhile, Hans comes back to the house, and Hans says, look at Elsie, how clever and and and, and uh, uh, fastidious she is, How how good of a worker she is. She's diligent and a good worker. She's worked long past the time where she should have come in and eaten. So he waits on her. Well, darkness comes, else he doesn't come back. So Hans goes to the field. He finds her sleeping, and not one iota of work has been done. So what he does, he goes and gets a fowler's net, a little light net that you catch finches and birds and such in, and he drapes it around her, and the fowler's net has bells hanging on it. Then he goes back home. Now, the story goes, Elsie wakes up, and when she stirs, she hears the bell. She's entrapped in the net. She hears the bells ring, and she's disoriented, and she starts to doubt whether or not she is clever Elsie. She says, am I Elsie or am I not Elsie? I don't know. And so she goes back to the house, and she sees Hans in the house working. So she knocks on the door and says, is clever Elsie here? Of course, Han says, yes. And then Elsie goes, oh, no. If Elsie is here, then that means I'm not Elsie. What am I going to do? So she starts wandering off, and she goes to another house, and she's trying to knock on the door to see if Elsie is there. And nobody answers the door because it's at night, and Elsie is wailing and moaning and crying. And they're scared of her, and the bells are ringing. So she goes from house to house, and that she does until this day. And the end of the and the story ends with and nobody has seen her since. Now, what in the world is the moral of that story? And I thought this. I think the moral of this story is about entitlement. I think the moral of this story is about delusion. What happens to a child? when everything that child does is the best that there's ever been you ever told your child oh you can do anything you want to do as long as you set your mind to it as long as you work hard because you're a good person you're a good child you're able to do this well, and then the child grows up and he's 5 foot 9 and skinny can't play football can't play basketball but what if he wants to be a professional football player Are you still going to say as long as you work hard no amount of working hard is going to have that five foot nine, a hundred and forty pound man be a football player. He would get killed. Same thing with a basketball player. And there are other things. You're not going to be a professional mathematician if you're more uh prone to be an artist or something like that. Uh just simple stuff like that. I think about the book of Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not stray from it. Um Think about what that teaches. That doesn't have anything to do with religion, folks. That has to do with what we're talking about in the story of Clever Elsie. These parents didn't train up Elsie in the way that she should go. They just told her how clever she was and anything she did, they extolled it as something good. Therefore, Elsie had no baseline. Elsie had no boundaries in her identity. Therefore, Elsie didn't know who she was. Which is why the very first time that her stupid behavior was pointed out, she had a break, a psychotic break, and she lost herself, and she could only find validation of identity from external sources. We people, people, we, you and I, us, Christians especially, should be so understanding and confident in who we are and what we do that we do not seek our validation of identity from external sources. We should we should we should be very real with who we are. My name is Tony Brewer. You know what I'm never going to do? I'm never going to be able to play professional football. I'm never going to be able to play professional basketball. I'm probably never going to be a Joe Rogan level podcaster because one, I'm not willing to put in the work for it. I'm not going to have a I'm not going to have a podcast show like Louder with Crowder because they're not willing to put the work in. It's it's not, that which, it's not that which I'm focused upon. I know, I know where I'm at. I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at, and I know where I need to, to improve, and I know where I'm good enough. Why is that? Because I learned at a very early age that despite what some of the adults in my life were telling me, you're not good enough. You're not perfect just the way you are. I'm not clever Tony, I'm just Tony, and my identity is not found in externalities, and I don't crave validation from others, therefore, I will never wander from place to place seeking people who will be able to validate my identity. Now, where does that tie in with Scripture? Because that's what Elsie did. Where does that tie in with Scripture. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man that wanders from its place. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. You, you need to keep people around you that are going to be real. They're going to extol your virtue when you're virtuous, and they are going to point out your vice whenever you are, huh, vicious. That's interesting. I wonder if that's where that word comes from, or if that's a false cognate. Anyway, they're going to they're going to point out your vice when it needs to be done. The best friend you could ever hope to have is a friend that will tell you you're being clever when you are being clever and a friend that will tell you you are the opposite of clever when you are acting the opposite of clever. Have you ever acted the opposite of clever? I have. And there's been a couple of times in my life I've not had anybody close enough to me who loved me enough to tell me. Luckily, there's been some times in my life where I've been very not clever that, that I've had people close enough to me who loved me enough to tell me. So, maybe that's what we need to focus on. We need to preach the word. We need to be instant in season and out of season. We need to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, I don't believe I said it when I read the scripture. Proverbs 27, 1 through 10, or 1 through 9, rather. It's just a beautiful passage of scripture that helps me every day, and it reminds me how important it is to keep people in your life who are who are who love you enough to be real with you because fake friends are not friends at all fake friends are your enemies fake friends are your enemies if you keep people around you who just extol your virtue whether it's virtuous or not who are who help you along in your delusion then what will happen is you're going to run across somebody who's going to be real with you and either you're going to treat them very poorly and they don't deserve it or you're going to have a psychotic break and you're going to be like Elsie wandering around from place to place finding somebody to validate your identity but because you're so screwed up because of years of of people treating you as an entitled, virtuous, when you're not really person, you're you're not going to find anybody that wants to be around you enough for you to reestablish your actual identity and find out who you are. That is a very difficult place to be in. And once you reach that place, it's almost impossible to come back. But it can be done. My suggestion is... Stop living for self, because that's what really this is, and start living for something higher than self. Orient yourself towards the best possible good of which you can conceive, and start living for that. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, don't be like Clever Elsie. Don't be like Clever Elsie's parents. Keep people in your life who love you enough to tell you the truth about yourself, even when that truth is brutal. Because what will happen is one day somebody will show you the truth of who you are and set up a boundary around your identity and you won't be able to handle it. It will scare you to the point where you'll have a psychotic break. You'll have a break from reality. I think that is what has happened in large part to this, this younger two generations. That's why we have so many people saying, well, I can be a boy or I can be a girl or I can be a squirrel or I can be a raccoon or a panda. I can be Z-Zim-Zur, Zay-Zo-Zod, Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum. Those are my pronouns. If you use anything else, then you don't believe I exist. Think about that. If you see somebody with a big goozle, a big ridge on their, on their eyebrows, broad shoulders, and a beard, sounding like I sound now, and they look at you, and you say, "Hey, sir, what's up?" And they say, "It is, ma'am." And you just go, "No, it's not, ma'am. You have an you have X Y chromosomes. It will never be, ma'am." Well, you have you, the the rebuttal. There is, you have to acknowledge my existence. You're telling me I don't exist. That is clever, Elsie, coming to your house, wrapped in that Fowler's net with the bells, saying. Am I not clever, Elsie? Am I not clever, Elsie? Her identity depends on you. That, that person who's a woman who says they're a woman that talks like this, they're only, they only exist in that state of being if you acknowledge it. That's why it's so stupid. That's why it's so dangerous. Folks, I hope I've said something that has informed you. I hope I've piqued your interest. Go to Storytime Classics on YouTube and subscribe for me and share the stories there. Maybe let your children listen to them. Um, I really enjoy this. Courtney Glassoff at www.bluestarcreations.art does a wonderful job with the illustrations. If I were as good a narrator as she was an illustrator, we'd we'd have 100,000 subscribers, and we'd be making a living doing YouTube. But I need to bolster my skills. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't consider myself clever Tony. I'm not clever Tony when it comes to this. But I am getting better. And uh, you, can, you can go to that website uh, or that YouTube channel, Storytime Classics, and check out the stories there. And uh, look, just uh, click on a playlist and let it play in the background. That would greatly help us out. Also, what would help us out is going to Pat- or Patreon and following that Patreon and donating a dollar a month. You can also follow me on Facebook. That would help out as well. And then, of course, subscribe to the podcast channels on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. Folks, I'm done. That's all I've got here. Don't be clever, Elsie. Understand who you are, and don't depend on other people to validate your identity. Understand who you are, and more importantly, understand who you are in the Lord. God bless you. This has been Tony Birth Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.